Welcome to the Recover You Podcast. I'm Kyleen. And I'm Patrick. We are a couple in recovery. From sex addiction. And betrayal trauma. Together we share our story to encourage you on your journey. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. Welcome to another episode of Recover You. This week, the topic comes from a question or a suggestion that a client uh, mentioned to me the other day, and I thought it was a great idea. It was, hey, can you guys record a podcast that we could maybe provide to friends or, or that, that anyone going through betrayal or recovery as a couple or whatever could provide to friends or family who are sort of interested in learning a little bit more about what's going on and how to support that individual. It's really important through this whole process, much like we didn't know much about it, you know, until we kind of went into it, that your family is not going to know much about it. And so there's a lot of dynamics that come in. There are safe family members, there are unsafe family members, and there are so many different things. So I think there are so many different scenarios relative to supporting your family member. So I think, I think, the important thing for, I think, the betrayed partner and the addict in this advice is to remember that you may be, just by the nature of what you're going through, much more knowledgeable about this whole topic and the impact of it is than any family member that's out there. So um, this resource will hopefully help bring them alongside of you with that, but they're probably in no way unless they really have a have a deep curiosity about it they're in no way going to be right on par with you in learning and understanding what the impacts are and all of that stuff so this is just a, a helpful guide that can maybe allow yourself to be supported more by those you love well and if you are a friend or family member who has been sent this podcast just know that you are really valued um and we appreciate you so much. The fact that you are interested in learning more, it, just the fact that you might ask for a resource or be open to listen to this podcast means a lot to the person that sent it to you. A lot, a lot, a lot. So we decided to separate this idea into two episodes just because depending on who you are, you might want to send somebody a resource to support the betrayed partner, or you might want to send them a resource to support the addict, or maybe there are people in your life that want information on both and you can send them both. But we thought we'd split it up just so that it's more convenient in case somebody's kind of only interested in like one side of it for now for whatever reason. And so we're going to start with the betrayed partner. And so what we're going to do today is we're just going to walk through from the just bullet points from the perspective of if you are a friend or family member, here are some bullet points of understanding what the betrayed spouse is going through, what they're feeling, where their headspace is at. And we're going to go through some suggested do's or don'ts around communicating to them, supporting them and talking to them. So that's sort of what we're going to talk about today. So again, we're just, if you're listening to this, you are very, very valued and um, it just means a lot to the person that sent it to you. So thank you for being here. So let's start by answering the question, what is the betrayed partner experiencing? I just want to provide some context for your friend or family member who is going through betrayal right now, just so you have an idea of what they're thinking and what they're feeling. So the first thing to sort of understand is that it is a trauma. And 
you know, it, I remember it, like I, like Patrick said, I had no idea about what somebody might feel in this experience. And I sort of relate it to like when I got diagnosed with cancer, I had this deep understanding of like, wow, I really, you know, we hear that people get diagnosed all the time and they go through treatment. I had no idea what that whole process was like. I had no idea what the emotions were. I had no idea like just how difficult it was for somebody to go through that and and all the steps and all the doctor's visits and all the fear and everything around that. The same thing is true when this happens. I think we, we will hear from a distance stories of infidelity or um, I caught my husband looking at porn or this or that. And then we never really hear a whole lot more about it. Like what's actually going on behind the scenes. And so it's really easy to just go, oh yeah, people like get divorced for that all the time or people stay together all the time. We kind of have our own worldview based on how we were raised and the experiences that maybe we have or have not been exposed to. And so just know and kind of notice right now, if you can just take a minute to think, what are maybe any preconceived notions you might have about this? And it's going to be important to be aware of that because they may or may not actually be true for the person that you're supporting right now. And so one of the biggest things to understand is that for a lot of people, this is a trauma. So about 70 to 80% of betrayed spouses, when they discover that their husband is a porn or sex addict, um, will end up with some version of PTSD symptoms. And so it is a very, very significant trauma for them. And what's going on in their brain, their um, their sense of reality has really been shaken. They thought they knew what life was like. They had certain things that they could depend on. They thought they knew the person that they were living with and that they were married to. And when they discover, or whether it's confession or discovery, however it came out, once they discover that this has been secretly going on in their relationship, they're questioning everything in their life. They don't know who to trust. They don't know what to believe. They really don't feel like they know who their spouse is. And so they're really questioning really, truly everything. Um, one of the things that you know is going to happen is they're going to end up going through this process of grieving the loss of a life that they thought they were living and a marriage and a relationship that they thought they had. So it really is this sense of like, I thought I knew what my life was like. I thought I understood my relationship. That's not true, apparently. So now they have to go through a process of discovering what is true. And there are several phases that the betrayed partner will go through um, on their healing process. If, if you are somebody that has found out um, that your friend has been betrayed or um, their partner has cheated on them in some way, and you're finding out really, really early, please know and understand that they may seem fine because they're in the shock phase right now. So shock phase, what's interesting about the shock phase is people, when you when you look at people in the shock phase, they are maybe a little more energized than normal because really they're in fight or flight right now. But they're very capable of communicating, thinking, um, processing their life and kind of managing day to day. And you might think they don't need a lot of support in that phase, um, but that phase um, can last a short period of time or a very, very long period of time. And so if somebody is communicating and they're just kind of spilling all of their thoughts and they're communicating really quickly and you, you know that this is within the first month or even two months that this has happened, just know and be aware that they are probably still in shock. 
And that might be sort of hard to um, identify. It's easier and easier and easier for me to identify now when I see people in this phase just because I've been um, connecting with women so frequently. And so I, I can now see, oh my gosh, like this person is totally still activated like in this first phase. But if you are just a friend or family member, um, it might not be quite as easy to pinpoint what's going on. And so just to, just to kind of make an assumption, if this is within the first couple months, they're probably still in shock. And so just be aware of that and and know that over the next year or even two years or even three years, that there's going to be a lot of shifts in their emotions and their thought processes in this time. You know, I, I um, as, as I'm hearing you talk about this and having watched you, you know, from my side and, and thinking uh, it would just be nice if there was people who understood it and they could just reach out and empathize with you and things like that. And I remember there was a couple of, um, uh, there was some outreach that was done and you didn't necessarily get what you needed. I'm not going to say if it was family, friends or whatever, you didn't quite get what you need and how that, how that was, was, um, I wouldn't say set you back because that's not really, it's not like a, that sort of thing, but it was confusing for you. You know, and and so it, it's it's interesting, and, and I think the one thing that you've always been is a very clear thinker. So in your mind, you very clearly knew what you wanted and didn't want from me in a relationship. What was hard for you was to determine how the feedback you were getting was impacting that, and that was a conflict for you. So it's just one of those things that that I thought was was interesting to hear well, I think or to witness. Well, and thinking through the first several months, like when I was actually in shock, because what looking back, I think it for me it was about four months. So you, as even the partner living with me, you probably might not have even labeled it as that, right? Because I was thinking pretty clearly. I was taking action on a lot of things. I was helping you sort of set up all of your guardrails. Mm -hmm. um, I was t I was very capable, I guess is what I would say. Um, sometimes I think maybe we hear the word shock and we think freeze, right? Like someone is just stuck. Actually in the shock phase after discovery, people typically take a lot of action. They're setting a lot of boundaries. They're helping their partner get stabilized in their recovery. Um, they're kind of trying to figure out like where their relationship is going to go and kind of navigating. And there's a lot of thinking, a lot of conversations and a lot of um, actions taken during that time. So I don't know those first four months, you probably wouldn't have gone, oh, Kylene's in shock. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, I certainly saw, you know, I, I, I think what was going through my, my mind as I watched you was, was deeply hurt, deeply angry. Um, yeah, you were helping me out. And I think as I was going through my programs and things like that and really starting to formulate a plan in my mind, it was getting more clear. But I think what was what was hard, and maybe this is the shock piece, is like, yes, you've done all that stuff. Yes, you've built the uh, the sandbag wall, right? But you don't know what's coming after that. Now and then you're in that kind of that dead space of wondering what what what's going to happen. So I would notice these moments where you needed something. You couldn't really articulate to me what you needed. I couldn't respond to you with what you needed. And I think that's where the shock piece came in it was just this it was like a, a what's happening a gray cloud of of doom <laughs> you know what i mean that that you can't blow away you can't you know wave away it's there and right so bringing um it back to sort of understanding what the betrayed partner is going through one thing that might 
from an outside perspective, be sort of surprising in a sense is that the betrayed partner does not trust their spouse, no matter how quote unquote healthy their relationship seemed to be prior. So no matter how much trust they had in their relationship up to this point, understand when you're looking at this relationship, you might think they're the it couple. You might think that they are both really amazing human beings and they probably are. They're probably both really great people. Um, But what you have to understand is with betrayal, trust is absolutely destroyed. And there's really no caveat for this and because we want to put a lot of caveats on, well, it wasn't this or it wasn't this or at least it wasn't X, Y, Z or it wasn't that extreme or you only found it twice or, you know, whatever. And it really doesn't matter if someone found it one time or 20 times or if it was, quote unquote, just pornography or if it was all the way up to physical affairs or whatever. Um, Once this sort of really starts getting pulled back and someone realizes that their partner has been living a lie in some addictive way. Um, there really is no trust because it really shades the whole of the past relationship that they had. And one of the things that betrayed partners really, really hope that their spouse and, and maybe their friends and family will come to understand is that from the point of discovery, everything before that feels like a lie. And so uh, oftentimes celebrating anniversaries is no longer comfortable, um, viewing themselves as married is not comfortable until they get through recovery process and create something new. And so just know that this is a very tentative time because they don't really understand who their partner is, um, if they can trust them. And really, if this is in the first six months or even in the first year, they may not have an answer for you in terms of if they're even planning on staying because they just don't have the information yet to make that decision. And so it's a very tenuous, destabilizing time for them. They feel very insecure. Um, They're very afraid. Um, They're trying to oftentimes help their partner get into sobriety while also going, what the heck is my life right now? And they just don't know that. So just being aware that it's very, very, very destabilizing and they just really don't feel like they can trust the person they're living with. That's a really big thing. And no matter how happy and how stable and how wonderful the relationship felt before, they are probably not going to be looking on that relationship in positive in a positive way at this point. So if you if um and we'll kind of talk about do's and don'ts in terms of things to say, but one of the things sort of around this idea is you may uh, you know know the history of the relationship and know all these highlights and you may really really like the spouse and um so it's going to be important to Uh, not try to sugarcoat things for the betrayed partner because they also live that. They remember all of those vacations. They know that it's their 10-year anniversary coming up. They know all of these things. And all of that at this point hurts. Every part of their relationship hurts. And so um, they are in a process of trying to figure out what is real, who is my partner, can I trust them, will they get sober, and will we stay together or not? And that is a very scary place to be. I think it's in, without stealing too much of your thunder, because you're going to be covering some of this, but it's always important for everybody to recognize that um, experiences are very personal and how you how people experience them is their own experience. So as as you listen to your your daughter, friend, you know, whatever that may be telling you about this time, you know, you have to respect their experience versus saying, well, you know, I, you know, I was in a relationship where, you know, somebody did all of this to me and it doesn't sound as bad as that. You know, these, these, all of our experiences are very personal. 
something to, to sort of understand to that point is that trauma is how the individual perceives what happened. It's not necessarily what happened. So it's true that the exact same thing could happen to two people. If you have different life experiences, different spiritual perspectives, different life um, perspectives, different worldviews, you may internalize it very differently. So even if your experience is like super, super, super similar and maybe your um, response to the situation wasn't as strong as your friend or family member's um, response is seeming to be, understand that their worldview, their relationship, maybe even their trauma history is very different than yours. And so that is okay. We want to make sure that we understand that even if we've experienced something similar, if they are expressing more pain or more trauma over it, that that is their experience and that is valid. Um, they may be experiencing um, a lot of different experiences. So I mentioned earlier um, about seven, I think about 70 to 80% of um, betrayed partners will go through PTSD symptoms. So this can look like shock, like I mentioned. Um, it can look like anxiety or depression. I know the first year of recovery, I had a lot of anxiety. Anxiety is something that I um I tend to, I have a tendency to struggle with, but then that first year, I also had significant levels of depression as well. A lot of partners will experience hypervigilance, this constant scanning of their life um, to see if they are safe. A lot of uh, partners will have um, issues with sleep. So whether it's difficulty getting to sleep, bad dreams, insomnia, things like that. Um, they may experience fight or flight symptoms, again, like anxiety or elevated heart rate, heart rates or increased blood pressure. Um, and the list of physical symptoms is going to be different for everybody, but it really goes on and on. Some women have chest pain. Imagine like your heart is literally breaking and sometimes it manifests in physical heart symptoms or chest um, pain. Sometimes there will be chronic pain or joint pain or fat extra fatigue, um, headaches, brain fog, hormone imbalances and shifts, extreme PMS. There's a lot of different things. So, you know, sometimes maybe even just checking in and be like, hey, how are you feeling? Like a really broad question like that, because they may notice that they're feeling very different mentally, physically, and emotionally than they were even two weeks ago as the stress of navigating the situation progresses. You know, um, uh, one of the things that, that may come out is, and you may hear about this, is because of all of the physical symptoms that are happening, what that spouse may need is time to sleep by themselves or whatever. So with that, with that like trouble sleeping, brain fog, not feeling well, you know, the notion of lying next to somebody in a bed that has betrayed you may make that that worse. And so that spouse may say, I need you to sleep downstairs or I need you to sleep on the couch or whatever. So you may that could be a that could be part and parcel of that of that um somatic response or whatever that is, if, if that's the right word, that that response that's coming from from this betrayal. Yeah, they're going to be setting a lot of boundaries. So just, again, kind of respecting that and understanding that their life is is very different right now. Um, they, they may not know who is safe to talk to. So again, if you're receiving this episode, like they value this relationship with you and um, they want to make sure that it stays vulnerable and safe and um, it, it, that it's a very important relationship to them. And so again, kind of to what we mentioned earlier, we we know that people that are not the, experiencing this specific situation, like don't always understand. And so um, thank you again for listening to this. 
Um, If the partner, the betrayed spouse, chooses to reconcile, um, just know that they might feel super conflicted through the process. And they may have a lot of conversations with you about this. They might be really wondering, am I making the right decision? Does staying mean that I'm a weak person? What kind of a person stays after they've been cheated on or after betrayal? Um, Alternatively, they might also feel the opposite. So depending, again, on their worldview, this is going to be very different. Or they might fluctuate between the two. So sometimes a betrayed partner can feel very stuck from internal or external pressures. Maybe their family um, really loves the partner and um, wants them to stay married, even though they're really, really hurting. Um, Maybe they have children and so they feel obligated to stay, but they are, um, you know, not sure where the relationship is going to go, if it will be able to reconcile. Um, Maybe they feel like their church is pressuring them to forgive or to make a decision very quickly early on in this process. There's a lot of pressure internally from, again, it can be their worldviews, their religion, their family. So internally or externally, like how they feel and and who they're around. Um, Or, you know, they can just feel very conflicted about like, I just don't know where I'm at right now. I don't know what side is up or what direction is up. I don't know what my partner is going to do. And so just giving them the space and and the understanding that like, if this is, if they're feeling conflicted, that's very normal. And not making a decision for a long period of time is also very normal. And I would say very safe because someone that's not making a decision about um, the, you know, the future of their relationship is somebody that's going to be taking the time to to observe and see like, okay, what is my spouse doing? Because you have to remember, this is somebody that has been married for some period of time, has been in this partnership for some period of time. Often it is decades or at least, you know, several years to the, at the, when they find out that the secret life has been going on. And so this is not something that can be, you know, effectively processed and dealt with in days or even weeks. So this is something that takes them a long time to sort of wrap their mind around, understand, recover from, and then eventually say, okay, I'm in a healthy place. Are you in a healthy place? Do we want to continue moving forward? No matter uh, what is happening in their life, I can almost guarantee you that the status of the relationship is now the number one thing on their mind, and it often feels like the heaviest weight they have ever carried. So you may know somebody that has been through a lot in their life, and uh, you may wonder why this seems so much worse to them, and that is because you know, a lot of people that have been through different types of trauma in their life, when they have betrayal trauma, they will say that it feels much worse and much harder and much scarier than anything else. And that's because it's coming from someone that they really, really trusted. Um, And so that is like the, um, what do you call it? Like, it's like the bomb inside the house, right? Like the, the, the destruction came from within the safety net, right? The safety place. And so that just really throws again, their sense of reality. Um, I don't know if you felt like this, but I I believe this would be something that a betrayed spouse would feel is maybe a little resentment if the addicted partner is getting into groups and getting in is on the phone at night checking on with other people who are supporting him. It may seem like all of a sudden the addicted partner is getting all this support and connection. Yeah, and 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 you may even notice in the addict like this uplifting of of that person's spirit because they're starting to make sense of what's happening. They're starting to feel a little bit good about what's happening. And how did that hit you? Well, I think that is a very common feeling. Um, 
And I think maybe to an extent I felt that because I did not have very many people in my life that were like super, super team Kyleen. And um, some of the people that were, were in states that were, you know, other states. So they weren't like, you know, someone that I could just go have lunch with or go have coffee with or, you know, whatever. Um, There were many times throughout recovery that I did not feel like I had um, the level of support that would have been helpful, Mm -hmm. um, the level of understanding that would have been helpful. And yes, it, it, you know, it was both encouraging and maybe a little lonely to see that you had all that. You had your therapist, you had multiple groups that you'd participate in over time, that sort of thing. Um, And that was really great to see that. I think sometimes too, within betrayal support groups, um, again, because the stories and the outcomes are so, 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 so different, um, they can be really supportive or sometimes they can also make you feel alone because, um, you know, you may find yourself in some um, support groups where maybe they aren't super supportive of your version of recovery or um, they, their experience was so different. And so they um, maybe project their experiences. And so it can be very lonely. Um, And, and yeah, I think that's a normal um, phase to kind of go through to be like, Hey, why do you have so much support? And I don't right? And so that's what, again, that's why it's really important to go to therapy as the betrayed partner and things like that. But, um, but yeah, just understanding that that person is going through a lot mentally and emotionally, everything in their life is changing, how they view themselves, how they view their life, how they view their marriage, how they view their partner, you know, what they thought they had planned for their future is no longer what they thought they were living in the past is now tainted with lies. And so really it's like one step at a time, where am I at today? And that's kind of what they're going through. Okay, so let's, um, that's sort of understanding like what the betrayed partner is going through. So we, we hope that that was helpful. Um, I know a lot of you are going to go, well, what can I do to actually help them? And, you know, what are some words that I can use? What are some phrases? Like, how can I actually be there to support them? And again, if that is you and you are listening to this, we are so thankful for you because there are so many betrayed partners that don't, um, don't get this level of support. And so any level of listening and support that you can offer is just, it's so valuable. Um, Okay, so let's talk about a few recommended do's and don'ts. So the biggest thing is what you're doing right now. It's just listening, you know? It's just understanding and and saying that you're there for them. And and being curious is the biggest thing. Again, not sort of like projecting your own experience per se, but just listening and saying things like, I'm so sorry you're going through this. I can't imagine how that must hurt you. That is so painful. I'm so sorry you're experiencing this. Telling them, you know, you are such a strong person. I can't begin to imagine what that feels like. So those types of statements can be really, really supportive. And it might sound kind of basic, but that's a big deal. That means a lot to the individual that's hearing it. Um, Avoiding or minimizing statements that diminish their pain, or I would say just avoiding statements that diminish their pain. So things like, well, they only did this because they love you, you know, and and not not having the addiction per se, but like if if they go, well, why did he do this? Or why did he do this? They go, well, that proves that he loves you or, you know, different comments like that, sort of diminishing the extreme pain that they're in and trying to um, remind them, you know, that their spouse really cares. Now he might, and he might be an amazing human being, but when they're going through this discovery process and when they're going through the trauma, they don't need you to interpret that for them. They need you to validate the pain that they're current currently feeling. 
Um, so again, things like, oh, he's such a good guy though. I just, you know, things like that, or I know he loves you. Those are comments to just, you can think them. (laughs) And, and the, the spouse is probably thinking that too, to be honest, like, well, he's such a good guy. Like I did, this makes no sense. Right. And you can say things like that. Like, oh, I viewed him one way and this, this is really hard to understand. This is really hard to process. Absolutely. But don't try to make excuses for the addicted partner. That's going to be super triggering for the betrayed partner, because if they're sharing something that's painful, validate the fact that that was painful for them. And don't try to um, reword that in a way to take the pain away because it's not going to work and might just really hurt their feelings. And, and kind of along those lines of do listen and just let them know that you're there for them. Um, if at all possible, you know, don't ghost them. The thing about recovery is, you know, they might kind of pull back a little bit because they're scared of pretty much everything. Um, and if that's true, um, you know, that may be just a season that they're going through. Um, but if you are just kind of unsure of how to support them, um, and so you kind of notice that you're pulling away and not calling and not texting and not asking them to coffee, if you can just send a text every once in a, once in a while, like, hey, thinking about you, or hey, just wanted to check in, or hey, would you like to get some coffee? Those types of um, reach outs when when they are from somebody that knows your story are incredibly impactful. And again, I know it feels so small, but it really goes a long way. So another do is to validate their feelings and their experience. We talked about this in a couple different ways already, but saying things specifically like you have every right to feel angry. It's normal to feel sad or depressed about this. I understand what you're experiencing is very traumatic. Those types of phrases can be so helpful because sometimes what will happen is the opposite. When we go into sort of the don't list of projecting your own feelings or experiences, um, saying, well, you know, I found porn on my husband's computer and it didn't bother me. Or, you know, yeah, my husband and I went to counseling twice and that totally resolved it. Have you tried, um, you know, having more sex or, you know, comments like, when I bought some lingerie, it really sliced up our sex life. Have you tried that? Have you thought about that? So, um, Again, validating their feelings and experiences is very traumatic. They have a right to feel angry. They have a right to feel betrayed. Um, You know, not saying anything to the effect of, um, well, have you thought about becoming his pornography or something like that? Like, and those are real thoughts and real um, responses that people will have. Um, And so that can be really hurtful if you, because those statements can be interpreted as, well, you didn't do enough. It's your fault that he cheated on you. And if you just tried harder, you wouldn't be in this situation. And that is never, 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 never supportive or true. Um, And so just again, validating their feelings and experience. You have every right to feel this way. It's normal to feel this way. Um, And I, I understand that this is super traumatic for you. Again, recognizing that their experience even if it's similar to yours, might be different because they may perceive it in a more traumatic way. Um, And so just giving them that validation and support. Um, And another do would be just literally asking them, hey, what do you need right now? Like, what do they need in the moment? So some spouses are going to need a friend that they can vent to, or sometimes they might need validation of their feelings, like I just mentioned, or in some occasions they may want advice. Um, So let them kind of communicate those things and just ask them like, where are you at right now? And so you can say that in a few ways. You can say things like, I'm here to support you. What do you need from me right now? Do you want to talk this out or would you rather vent? 
Like maybe they want to have a dialogue about it or maybe they just want a listening ear. Both of those are totally okay. Uh, But depending on how they're feeling, like it would be really helpful if they know that you're a safe person to go to because you will hold that space for them when they're angry, but you will also dialogue with them when they need some feedback where you'll just listen sometimes. And so um, that can all be really helpful. So I'm here to support you. What do you need from me right now? Do you want to talk this out or would you rather vent right now? I'm so sorry you're going through this. How are you feeling? Just asking them, just opening that door of like, what's going on in your head? How are you interpreting this experience? How are you feeling this? Um, and just again, that that listening ear. Um, <laughs> silly things like, how are we feeling today? Like, do we love him? Do we hate him? Are we neutral? Do you need me to, you know, um, match their energy and be on their team. So sometimes they might come and just be like, I just can't believe this is happening right now. And, um, and you can just go, yeah, you don't deserve that. You know, they might really appreciate that energy where they're, where you're just a hundred percent team them, no matter what their feelings are that day. The next day they might call you and go, you know, I'm really proud of him. He's been going to group every week. I see the changes that he's starting to make. He's starting to recover. And I really notice in his attitude and all this, those, those, um, those emotional shifts are totally normal and both can be true. They can be extremely angry, extremely sad, um, have all of these really strong emotions while simultaneously supporting their partner and being really proud of them for the hard work that they're doing. It doesn't mean that it's not still incredibly painful for them to go through this process. So being a good friend in that is really just going to allow them the space, a safe person the safest type of friendship is one that will be there for both ends of the spectrum when they're really angry and really hurt and really just like, I don't know if I can go on another day. I don't know if I can be in this relationship another day. And then the next day being able to feel safe saying the total opposite me like, wow, I really see how much we're growing and changing and things are really shifting and I'm feeling hopeful today. And so if you can kind of hold space for them to feel safe enough and free enough to share exactly how they're feeling, just recognize that it will change like that. And that's totally normal. So one thing I actually wanted to to kind of talk about there in the moment, and you actually did a really nice job saying, hey, how can I, what do you need from me right now? How can I show up for you right now? You know, sometimes what people will say is they'll say, hey, give me a call if you need something. So there's a subtle difference there. But when you say, how can I show up for you right now and ask a question, then it in some ways engages that person to tell you. If you just say, hey, give me a call if you need something, then it's kind of a passing thing and it might actually give that person more like pressure to do. Oh, man, now I have to think about how they can support me. I'm trying to support myself. Right. Just opening the door with like, how are you feeling? Right. Right. And do you need me to listen or do you need me to give advice? Like, what are you, where are we at today? And how can I match that for you? Yeah. A hundred percent. And then like to that end though, sort of, as I was just saying with the, you know, do we love him today? Do we hate him today? Like, where are we at? Um, the, the don't or the avoid is blanket loving or blanket hating the spouse on your end. So keeping the door open that um, you might really think he's an amazing person, but need to hold space for your friend when they're really, really mad at their spouse for hurting them. Um, Or you might have a tendency because of your experiences in life to really go, well, he cheated on you. He's a horrible person. And they might be trying to work through reconciliation. And so again, just really avoiding that, that pitfall of like blanket 
um, determining what the outcome is going to be for them from your perspective, because it might be very, very different than your experiences. And so really being that safe person going, you know, supporting them through the ups and downs, wherever they are at through their worldview and perspective on this relationship in that moment. And that can be hard because, you know, you want the best for that person. And you may be like totally determined that like separating is like the best thing for them. But, um, and you can, you know, depending on the level of relationship that you have, maybe you can have some of those conversations, but again, be open to hearing from them. Well, actually he's going to therapy every week and I'm seeing these changes and, and, you know, addiction is something people can recover from. And if that's true for them, that's great. Alternatively, you also want to be the good friend that if you're noticing that they are in an abusive cycle or an abusive pattern of some kind um, to empower them, um, that you are here from them or here for them, you love them, um, they're not being treated appropriately, et cetera. So in most situations, it's like be open, but in some situations, definitely be the friend that stands up for them and protects them for sure. So that's just sort of a line, I think, of how well do you know this person? Um, How deep is this relationship? How much do you actually know about what's going on? That sort of thing. So um, one of the things that may happen is that your relationship might shift a little bit. And so the don't hear or the avoid is worrying if your relationship shifts or changes for a few years. Um, Just understand that this person, the betrayed spouse, may reach out a little bit less. They may not go to as many events. They may um, not uh, show up to life or relationships the way they have since you've known them. Um, This period of time is very much a cocoon during recovery. Um, there were a lot of things we didn't go to weddings. Like there's a lot of things that can be triggering during the initial phases of recovery. Um, I mean, just like literally everything like weddings or people getting engaged or, you know, all these things you're like, Oh, that's going to end poorly. Right. And as you go through recovery, your perspective, your perspective shifts again. And and those things are fun and that you start engaging in life, but there is a significant period of time. Remember how I mentioned earlier that the number one thing on their mind is um, their relationship. And that is a very heavy weight that they are carrying. The number one priority for a betrayed spouse is creating and establishing safety. Because remember what they're experiencing is traumatic. And so for them to get to a place where they can begin to heal and their nervous system can calm down and their, their emotions can be processed and they can get to a good place with or without their partner, safety has to be established. So a big part of recovery sometimes is that you may notice they're withdrawing and pulling back from relationships. That's not always necessarily the worst thing because if they're moving towards reconciliation, the coupleship takes an extreme amount of mental and physical and emotional energy um, to focus on and to work through together. And that is like so exhausting that a lot of times they're just not going to do extra stuff in their life at that point. So just be aware that if they, if that happens, um, check in, keep checking in, keep asking them how they're feeling, invite them out, but just don't be hurt or offended if maybe it's not the right time for them. Do you remember when we sort of, we, I feel like we pulled back for a long yeah, time. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a, uh, uh, there was a retirement party for one of my friends that, that I didn't go to that otherwise I probably would have gone to. And because so, of travel. Right. Well, because of travel and we weren't like, 
like what's safe, what's not safe, and and you know all those things. We were still figuring all of that out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a a point that we haven't even talked about yet. Um, and again, this can't be a totally comprehensive episode because everybody's going to be different. We're trying to hit the big bullet points for you, but. There's a lot of details in their life that they're learning how to navigate again. What do they do for their anniversary? Do they celebrate it or not? And that might be a good question as a family member or friend to just sort of ask them like, hey, I know your anniversary is coming up. How do you feel about that? Instead of making an assumption that they're going to celebrate it the normal way and just sending them a text that could be triggering, just asking them like, hey, how are you feeling about this? What are your plans? Like, how would you like me to, would you like me to notice this day or are we ignoring it this year? Um, those types of questions can be really helpful. There's a lot that they're dealing with. Um, you know, do they travel? Um, does the spouse, does the addicted spouse travel for work? Is um, How does she feel about that? Just, there's so much. So just having these open-ended conversations, again, where you're where you're listening and you're asking them, how are they feeling about this? That's going to go so far to creating safety in your relationship and to help them feel supported. So again, we the do here is do be team that person. So if you are a friend of the betrayed spouse, be team them. So again, sort of how are they feeling, empathizing, adjusting to what they need, noting noticing that is going to change as their emotions shift throughout the recovery process. Um, however, being a good friend also um, doesn't mean necessarily encouraging um, lack of healing or victim mentality. So let's say like you're two or three years down the road and they're still, um, you know, exhibiting a lot of the um, really painful um, trauma uh, reactions that, you know, are very, very normal the first three to six months or even up to the first year, but maybe we're three years down the road now. You know, if you're, if you have a good relationship, if you have a um, close relationship with them, um, you know, just asking them, hey, have you gone to therapy? Are you in a support group? Do you do you have tools to process this pain? I know how hurtful this has been for you. So again, validating their experience, but encouraging them through the healing process because we don't want people to stay stuck. Now, if somebody has sent you this resource, they're probably on the healing journey and you probably will never need to say those words. But I did think it was important just to say like, it's true. Like a good friend doesn't necessarily always validate everything. Like, you know, five years down the road, like, a good friend is going to encourage you to grow and to heal and to find safety and and all those things. So I felt like that was sort of important to um, know. So do encourage them to get support, see a trauma therapist, connect with a support group, pursue the healing they deserve, letting them know that you are there for them the whole time, no matter what happens, no matter how they feel, if they stay married, if they get divorced, the safest friend is going to support them regardless of what they decide without um, pushing, you know, again, pushing our own worldview too strongly. Um, Having honest conversations is totally fine. But again, the primary thing here, if we could just like summarize this whole episode is just be there, just listen, ask questions and, um, you know, just let them know that you're here no matter what they decide and that you love them, you value them and you want them to feel safe and happy. Yeah, and, and and I would close with you. Know, in in many of these cases, you have a, a situation where you've learned something about a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law that may shock you, that may push you into a sense of grieving, or a brother-in-law, or whatever that that may be, may push you into a sense of grieving. And and we also understand that you may not quite know how to make sense of that yet either. Um, but I think if you can, it, like you were saying, support that betrayed spouse, you know, support that person 
And you will then gain a sense of what's happening. You will gain a sense of, because a lot of people, a lot of times people can change. Sometimes people, people don't want to change and that can lead to, to certain things too. But, but we also understand that as you're hearing this or as you're, as you've heard the story, it may shock you too. And you may go, wow, I really, really didn't think that about this person or I didn't, I really, really love this kid. It was, you know, they, they've come around my house for the last 10 years and, and so we understand that it can be very unsettling for you, but just recognize that that I think the primary pain point right now is with that betrayed spouse. And so focus there, it will start to make sense to you as you really lead with empathy and supporting that 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 family member or friend who's who's hard. And if you are a family member or friend who has gotten to this point in the episode, thank you so much for being an amazing, compassionate, empathetic, safe person for whoever sent this to you. I can tell you right now, the fact that you just finished this episode means you are an amazing connection for them to have. And they are so, so thankful to have you in their life. Woohoo! If you're listening to this, it means you've made it through an entire episode. Part of recovery is spending time engaging in healing and self-growth activities. We are thankful that you chose our podcast to be one of those activities today. Make sure you reward yourself for that accomplishment. If you've enjoyed this episode or this podcast, we would love to hear from you. Please take just a few moments to leave a rating and review, letting us know your experience with Recovery You. We not only love hearing how these episodes are helpful, but ratings and reviews help others just like you who are searching for recovery information and support find the podcast too. We can't wait to hear from you. See you next week.